0: Scott
1: Harkey. All right. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where, as you know, we tell untold stories of world changing brand campaigns as told by the markers who build them. I'm your host and founder of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. Joining us is Robert Ferguson, who's the Senior Director of Brand Strategy at SAP, small company there, which is a global leader in enterprise application software. They help companies of all sizes and in all industries run better by redefining ERP and creating networks of intellect enterprises and provide transparency, resiliency, and sustainability across all change. Uh, it's a huge brand, and we're excited to have Robert on the show. So far this week, Robert and I talked about true transformation beyond the brand. We talked about China, US differences. We talked about brand strategy. But today we're going to be reviewing legacy companies' identity, so historic brands. What's going on with their identity? We're going to dive all things. So let's bring Robert back on. What's up, dude? Let's let's talk about uh, legacy companies' identity. I know you have experienced this with you're with a giant global brand today. Let's dive right into it.
2: Yeah, no, it's a tricky one. Regardless of how you define legacy. Uh... As you said, SAP has been around for 50 years. So, in a technology standpoint, that is ages. I've also, in a previous life, when I was working management consulting, I did a lot of work with DuPont and trying to rebrand a 150 year organization. And the pain points are very similar, or to a startup that has gone from sort of founder. Managed and led to now sort of a broader entity, and what does that look like, and how do we rebrand? So, so each of those brand identities or legacy challenges are real.
1: A company like DuPont, do you have to go to the board approval for that kind of kind of brand work, or are you just kind of reviewing and tweaking? Like, walk me through. I mean, we're obviously aware of DuPont and the history, and oh my gosh, I can't imagine just the layers of stakeholders in a company like that.
2: Yes, there's obviously a lot of processes built in and and it does go all the way to the board with something significant as that. And it does require that level of involvement too. And is something as trivial as the width of a logo band, right? Uh, In terms of its design, like it's nuanced and means a lot. And a lot of people, yeah, weigh in and, and have opinions. But a lot of it is very driven, driven through various levels of an organization.
1: Where are brand strategists growing up? Like a lot of times brand strategists come in, they're doing a lot of research. I mean, certainly the work isn't done in a vacuum. But where have you seen people get wrong? wrong? Where even have you got it wrong in the past? Because I think times maybe we can make some critical recommendations that, that may be misguided, looked at the data the wrong way.
2: Yes, that's a great question. And... and you will always find the answer that you want to find in the market if you go searching in your data right and i think often a, a quick mistake is to quickly find that that data and then sort of charge up that hill as a brand strategist obviously especially in in sort of a rebrand right you're so excited about change that sometimes you're you're quick to find the data and then run up the the charge to change something and and i think often and even in myself had experiences where we stop and and really understand, do we need to change it? Is there a scenario planning where we don't change something and we redefine or we re-educate ourselves on how we're leveraging it or using it? And I don't need to speak in, in sort of in vagaries, but it's an example of I was working for for a large sort of financial services company, and there was a lot of debate around something as as simple as a strategic term in the marketplace often we will find people will be so fixated on, on needing to change something because they need to change but often you come in and, and find a merit in I guess the challenge is, is asking whether something is necessarily needed for change or if there's opportunities to, to use what we can
1: no no I, I hear what you're saying. And, and yeah, the, I mean, really, maybe even more specifically, like how do we put guardrails? Because I, I've seen examples of where we thought something was a needed change. And then they're like, and you see it all the time with other brands where like you'll see like the core kind of revolt. You're like what? You took away like, you took away our value menu. And like, oh, how did we miss that? You know what I mean? Or like, it could be logos. It could be anything. Like there's there's so much to a brand as, as it needs to evolve. But also you have to honor your heritage, right? and your legacy? And how do we craft and pave a path for the future, but also honor the heritage? And how do we not make the mistake as brand people, as brand marketing people to make a strong recommendation, which we should be making strong recommendations, but not leading maybe too far out? And I've done it before. I've definitely done it before. And so what needs to change and what needs to stay the same? And what guardrails can we put by this? Because human beings can say, especially in depending on the focus group, depending on how the question was asked, depending whether it's qualitative, quantitative. I mean, there's just so many, to your earlier point too, like data points that if you have a hunch, like an investigative reporter, that something is what it is, you're going to you know, find the answers the way you want to find it.
2: Yeah. and And you bring up, again, coming back to this idea of legacy, it is important to put up guardrails as you go through the process. And I think a lot of that comes in making sure you have those checks and balances of who you're communicating with. I will talk, if it's a legacy company, we will talk to people who've been there 30 plus years. We'll talk to employees who've been there just recently. We'll talk to partners in the marketplace and, and really try to be as objective as possible. Obviously knowing, and this is where the trick is, right? It's, you don't want the market or necessary people to decide the direction you need to go as a business, right? And I think it's important, especially as a legacy brand, when you know there needs to be a shift in the marketplace. Generally, if you go and ask a lot of people, there's, there's a lot of nostalgia, right? People don't want to make change. And so there'll be a lot of things that people can hold on to. So I think it's important as a strategist when you're coming is to really empathize with that, right? And and although change is going to happen and you know it needs to happen, I think an important step in sort of, especially with legacy companies, is bringing people along in the journey, making sure they feel heard and, and understood, taking that perspective and reflecting it, whether you implement it against it or not, showing that you've gone through the process, particularly internally, to say that we've gone through and thought about it, we've heard these voices, it just makes it so much more impactful to shift a company of that size or of of that sort of legacy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's challenging.
1: Yeah, man. I've found just quickly to expand upon this that in even small, medium, or large size companies, I feel like, and I hate using war analogies, but I'm going to guess use it anyway, I think people on the front lines you know, really have the heartbeat and the pulse of the commerce, and whether that's like if you're a B two B company, people on the sales team, not the sales manager or so, but people day to day in sales, whether that's cashiers or salespeople or like people that are really, or like the e commerce people and the trends that they see, like people that are really around parts of the commerce of the transaction. I feel like they have a good sense for things that can be missed in terms of part of the consumer journey, but also part of the reason for transacting. And I think at times maybe creatives and brand people can we can get a little too high level brand thinking and really forget around some of the transaction piece. And so I know we've done a lot of we've done a lot of branding work for companies getting ready to go public, like IPO work on the brand side. And the more interviews, like stakeholder interviews we do, I tend to put a little more weight again on like salespeople or cashier people because I think they get to view the customer, digital e-commerce people, social media people, PR people. And that really, I think, can help validate or unvalidate maybe some some insights that you think you're onto something. I don't know. I, I don't know. where. No, we're that's...
2: In, that's a, it, it's absolutely an important. One of the challenges, and we're talking about legacy and and brand transformation, and here's a unique challenge. When if it's an older company like a DuPont, the founders are dead, right? Or no longer around, right? When you have these truly legacy brands, the challenge sometimes is when you get into this world where the original founders who this is their child, right? This was their idea that they have built, are still around but no longer driving the business. And so often I've been in projects where you have the original founders, maybe it's a family, maybe it's an individual uh, innovator that still are, it's balancing their vision and their sort of creation with this new direction that the company needs to go, especially if it's driven from people who are at the front lines, who understand that we do need to make these changes. Now you need to bring that to the founder, or I mean, maybe the CEO is on board and the the, the com- now you bring it to the original founders or large stakeholders, if it's shareholded by a fan, that's where it, it can get very, very tricky. And again, it, a big part of being a brand strategist within an organization, particularly, or even as an agency is, it comes to sort of being a, sort of a collab, bringing everyone together, helping share all those perspectives, I often describe it I mean we've used the analogy of an investigative journalist I also think a lot of the work we do is is almost therapy in nature right we're talking a lot about feelings and ideas and and where we need to go and how are we going to get there and and bringing different parties with disparate ideas on what should we be in the marketplace which is very sort of sort of heady type type conversations and to bring all those perspectives together. A lot of that work is our strategists need to do. And sometimes that goes overlooked, right? That we come in, I think to your point of we're so sure sometimes and we don't take enough time to, to listen to everyone and then facilitate that listening and understanding of everyone.
1: Well, and These these organizations are so large and have so many tentacles. So like for us, we work with a, a really large Fortune 100 brand. I can't put it on my website. I can't put the videos on it, but, but it rhymes with Disney. And you know, one thing I've noticed is just how many different pieces, like specific pieces to that business there is. And this particular brand, as we know, is going through a lot of turmoil right now. The new CEO, from the former CEO, comes from the board, and there, I mean, there's all these different things from Marvel to this, to that, to CBG, to theme Parks, and to uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And so, how do like how does everything align with all these different business uses like I can't even begin to even think about that, and like now they're going through this Florida thing with the like I can't even like how the hell like if they brought you in like or me or what like how the hell would we even start something like that? I can't even imagine
2: yeah, no, and that brings up a good one. I mean, Disney, I always found fascinating when they acquired FX and Fox. I mean here you have this brand that has always built itself on wholesome shows and wholesome entertainment for families, and they make an acquisition of a bunch of channels that are absolutely sort of maybe on the opposite extreme of that, like American horror show. I mean, it's very... And so when you make a decision like that, a business strategy, It does. I mean, a lot of the times is you have to take a step back. You know, obviously there was a financial driven aspect to that, but then you take a step back with, does this ultimately who we are uh, as an entity? And do we need to shift that in order to be more open to future possibilities or not? Maybe we've taken a wrong step and we need to shave this off. And maybe that would be what the future, you know, tells to them is you can't expand into, it doesn't fit the brand. And so to your point, I, I think as you build these guide rails of who you are, And often when we do rebrands of legacy companies, it's because they've lost their way. It's because they've either grown too much and and we have to go back to the basics of why did we start this company in the first place? What exactly were we achieving? And and a lot of it is getting back to that origin story.
1: Okay, last point of the podcast, just to kind of leave us on on a maybe a takeaway.
2: I'm sure a lot of our audience is
1: like, we're preaching to the choir. It's like, yeah, this is what I've been saying. You know, like, yes. How do we convince the right brain thinker to get on board with what the hell we're saying when we start talking. Well, you mentioned the word like touchy-feely. Because um, I think a lot of... Like half the battle is most marketers I meet know what they're doing and have a good sense for style design and and consumer journey. And they understand brands pretty, pretty well. But it's how do we communicate the value proposition or how do we even communicate it all to the right brain thinkers, the COOs, the CFOs, the the finance people, like it just feels like a lot of times I see eye rolls from, you know, different C suites and, and people that aren't marketing people that are at this table. Do you have maybe some takeaways, examples, or strategies for us as we go into these boardrooms to get people to listen to what we're saying?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. It's a constant struggle that that people have. Again, I think we talked about this idea of difference between branding and brand, right? And a lot of this is education and, and the way we communicate and talk. Right. And so if we're going to go in and I learned this, I spent many years with a firm Lippincott, who I think is, is a phenomenal organization that really balances the creative sort of left side genius with the right side rigor and just the, the business practicality of what brand is. And when if you take the business side of brand and if you can communicate that effectively when you come into your boardroom talk dollar signs, right? Let's talk about the impacts to revenue. Let's not talk about KPI, whatever my uh, NPS score is, right? Whatever that brand matrix is, it's not going to land. I think the more that we can elevate and conversate about ultimately what we're doing to drive, whether it's uh, revenue, whether it's to bolster shareholder, I mean, whatever it is, I think putting it in a vernacular or in language or in a narrative that they will understand is 90% of the battle. I think most of the work that I do is that very thing. How do I take creative, emotional, emotive concepts and ideas and translate it and bring it to people who I need their buy-in, whether it's CFOs to give me approval for budgets, whether it's CEOs to enact? How do I put it into into a story that they will immediately understand? And And we're doing it with our customers constantly. We're thinking about ways that we can tell stories to our customers. These are our customers too. So when you're talking to your CFO, when you're talking to your CEO, or if you're talking to any of these C-Suite, they are a customer. You understand their perspective and their need. Let's let's use our skill of telling stories to connect, treating them just as such. And and I think that is a big role for strategists or marketers or brands is to help tell that story.
1: Yeah, and even if you don't, have a direct line of sales, having what you said is a narrative and and what I would even call a dotted line of possibilities in a vernacular that they'll understand. And, and you know, my president at our agencies, she says all the time, words matter. So the words in that room absolutely matter. And it's been my experience, you know, touchy feely kind of stuff has a place. But in in that room, the words you say in the vernacular and the way you present things matter. And it doesn't have to be... We understand in marketing, it's not going to be 1 plus 1 equals 2. The math is not going to be real cut and dry. But as long as you're putting in a perspective that at least shows the math was thought about, and there's... What the possibilities are, and what the narrative can be, and what the brand value can be, in a way that they're going to understand. I, I think that's a great point,
2: and a very practical, pragmatic one that I've always found effective. As people are building content and slides and decks, I mean, obviously, that's a lot of the work we do. Simply having a risk reward on the slide to show people you've thought through as any sort of analyst or or finance, like what are the risks of doing this? And, And showing that we've thought through those and we're not just about the creativity of the idea, but I think, again, framing it in a way that they communicate in their own sort of day-to-day is extremely impactful of of getting their buy-in. And and then generally, I think we need to be talking brand at that higher level. It's why Coca-Cola famously got rid of their CMO, right? It's chief growth officer, not a marketing officer. Just reframing the way we think of, of marketing and brand as growth, as a business. It is a business imperative. I think give ourselves more credit and talk to ourselves. The what work we do, words matter. If I'm a copywriter for a website, we have, let's, not if we talk down what we do, then they certainly look at us in the same way, so the way that we present it and talk about it should be reflective in in our work as well. I like the risk reward slide. I
1: know about eighty five percent of you listen all the way through uh the podcast, so uh eighty five percent of you, so I hope you made it to the end to hear uh, that reward slide because I think that's gold and i haven 't heard about it in that language. I think that's really smart but uh, we 're we're definitely out of time. Thanks, Robert Ferguson, a senior marketing. Uh, SAP for coming on and talking brand with us. That was great, dude. Awesome.
2: Really appreciate it.
1: Just one link to our show notes I want to tell you, but I didn't have a chance to take notes. Just go to the website, rebrandpod.com. We'll have everything on there. Of course, uh, we're building up those subscribers. We're getting a ton of marketing people on board, producing a lot of new content with some big name guests coming up. So subscribe. I've got some big names coming and some really cool brands coming. And we just want to get better at this uh, craft of brand marketing every day. Of course, you'll find us on uh, LinkedIn and all the other stuff at rebrandpod and all the stuff. And then it's probably easiest to find me at Scott Harkey on pretty much every channel. If you haven't subscribed again, please subscribe. We're we're building up this marketing community and we want to support each other. And feel free to, to apply to be our guest. You know, we're getting probably about 20-30 thirty applications-ish a week. So we want to put the best of the best on. But if you are the best, we want to have you on. So definitely apply.